Hey, welcome to the Upland Nation podcast. I'm Scott Linden, your host. So glad you could join me. We are on location. So if it sounds a little funny, it's because we got three bird dogs walking around, and then we got four people around the table. We're at Mid Valley Clays and Shooting School in Jervis, Oregon. That's somewhere near Salem. I guess I'd put it equi- not equidistant, but between Portland and Salem, Oregon. We're here for a couple of reasons. Number one, my buddy Tom Jenkins and I have taken a bit of a shooting lesson. We've learned a lot about what we're doing wrong. Thank you, Vandy. We'll get into that in a minute. Our other guests are Dave and Vandy Fiedler. They're the operators of Mid Valley Clays and Shooting School. We'll get a lot of information from them on what we are doing in the way of becoming better hunters by becoming better shooters. But that's not all we have in store for you today on the Upland Nation podcast. We're also going to talk about a public access suggestion that I have for you who are going towards North Dakota. And a new feature this week, we ran out of topics for the Upland Nation glossary, so we'll have something new coming up. It'll be your two cents worth what you're talking about on social media. Share some of that stuff with everybody else just in case you need to learn a little bit more. Without further ado, let me tell you that we're made possible in part by the kind contributions of Roughland Performance Kennels, Sage and Breaker Gun Care Products, Pointer Shotguns, Mid Valley Clays and Shooting School, Ringneck Nation of Huron, South Dakota. Thank you all for your support. So let's start out with something a little bit interesting for uh, for me. I talked about uh, uh, South North Dakota last week on the podcast, and I mentioned a spot that I love, and uh, maybe you'll go to North Dakota. While we were there, on the way back, we stopped at another great public access opportunity for sharp-tail hunters. It's a little south of Mott, but it covers a lot of ground. In fact, you know, I didn't know this until recently. It surrounds the Theodore Roosevelt National Park, which is right outside Medora, North Dakota. You ever been there, Randy? I have not. You've got to go there someday. It's like Yellowstone on a minor scale. Anyway, there is a place there called the Little Missouri National Grassland where we made a television show years ago, hunted sharptails on some of the roughest sharptail ground I've ever seen. It is one of those places you want to take a look at if you are a sharptail addict and you're looking for the new place. I told you, we're on location here at Mid Valley Clays and Shooting School and that is probably a good time to introduce the operators here. Welcome to the podcast, Dave Fiedler. Hi there, how are you doing? I'm doing well. You're coming in loud and clear. Glad glad you could have us, and thank you very much for your kind hospitality. Vandy Fiedler, we got a lot more to talk about with you in the next hour or so. We're talking mainly about shooting and shooting instruction, and you took Tom and I out a while back, so welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. And our, our first victim on the shooting school is Tom Jenkins. Some of you might remember Tom from a show we did a while back. Tom's an avid chucker hunter, big game hunter, and good friend of mine. We're hunting a lot together over the years. In fact, we got to do more of that this year than we did last year. Tom, welcome. Thanks. Glad to be here. Good. So, the introductions are out of the way. All of the good preliminary stuff is done. Let's get to it. Um, we want to be better shooters 
for mainly for the same reason that Tom said in our in our lesson earlier, so we don't disappoint the dogs. Um, we've all shot enough birds over the years. That's not something that we really need to do just to do it. We do it for other reasons, but everybody wants to be a better shooter when they're in the field. So when Vandy, when somebody comes to you and says, I'm, I'm a bird hunter who wants to shoot clays once in a while, I just want to get better at bird hunting shots. How do you go about this? Because you have a very analytical process, don't you? Absolutely. There is a positive way and a negative way to do anything. Okay, well, um, personally I thought you did a pretty positive job of it, but how do you start that process? I evaluate each person for their style of shooting. I'm not trying to shoot peg anybody into an absolute round hole if they're square. Try and figure out what works for them and build on that. So, uh, you did some things with Tom first that, uh, that some of them I, I understood, but you did them for different reasons. I thought you were checking his eye dominance first. Mm -hmm. And I think you were, but you were also checking more than that. Yes, um, I usually check for eye dominance. I'm looking for their gun fit. I'm trying to evaluate what their experience already is and where they're at now and how I can better help them with anything that they want to do, whether it's bird hunting or clay shooting or both. Mm -hmm. Tom, when you were up there and the first thing you realized she was going to do was actually to put your gun down and do some things with, with your hands, for example, uh, what were you thinking about that aspect? I knew I was in trouble right away. <laughs> See, right hand, yeah. right eye. Yeah. So yeah. this I already knew, but it was yeah. reconfirmed today. Thank yeah. you very much. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Bandy, you said something really interesting out there. Um, I'm left eye dominant. Tom's right eye dominant. You're left and right eye dominant. I have two dominant eyes. How did you figure that out? It wasn't easy. It, yeah. it's, uh, it's a rare occurrence in most people. Typically, you're either left or right eye dominant. Uh, but I found out pretty early on in my shotgunning, not my rifling, yeah. that um, yeah, both my eyes are fighting out there. So what, how does that manifest itself when you're taking a shot? Do you, I mean, are they arguing across your nose bridge or what? You described it very well. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, the target is, um, there could be one target in the air, one bird in the air, but I will see two. And one of them is a hard target, one of them is kind of a ghost target. And as each eye fights for dominant, it keeps switching back and forth. Wow. Hey, so you think I'm bad off. <laughs> I know I have more sympathy for you, Randy. Dave, um, first off, what, what is the, the biggest challenge people who come to you for a lesson uh, face? The people that come to me are more advanced shooters okay. or, or basically shooters that are like, you know, hunters that like, oh, I just need the, the, the guy who charges the most. I want to go to him. <laughs> and usually it's taking away all the stuff they don't need. Yeah. Uh, Vandy told me that you have a bad habit of putting the gun way, way down back you know, past your, your waist, I guess you'd call it, past your hip. So your hand, your right hand, which is around your trigger, is actually by your hip. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of extra work that takes to bring that gun all the way up. Mm -hmm. You know, you're not in the army. You don't need to carry it that way. So she said she worked on you to try to get that out of there. So a lot of it is the, the hunters that come, we work with getting rid of the stuff they don't need, yeah. making a much more efficient move. You know, Vandy said she calls it the Churchill method. Mm -hmm. Well, the Churchill method is move, mount, shoot. You know, what a lot of hunters want to do is they want to mount first, and then they want to look with their barrel to find the bird, and then they move. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, that's not really efficient. And as Vandy was showing you, it just doesn't work that way. But when you get you smooth, just to do a move mount shoot, it is so much smoother. And the, and the guys who are hunters come on and go, oh my God, that's pretty yeah. awesome. And the guys that are clay shooters that come to me have issues with uh, being consistent. So that's what they come to me about. Vandy handles a lot more of the newer shooters, and she handles a lot more of the hunters that are just getting into it. So, you know. That's that's kind of how we play things out here. If that makes any sense? Yeah, it does, and I and I understand completely. You know, it, it, they're different games. They're played differently, and and we just we just want to put birds on the ground for the dogs. That's all we want to do. And uh, there are right ways to do it, and then there are really hard ways to do it. I understand that. Tom, you you went into this, and uh, you were not happy with your shooting to begin with. And I don't know why, because you still outshoot me every time we go together, which says a lot about my shooting now that I think about it. But what, what did you take away from, from today's lesson? Well, first of all, I've been a mount aim shooter 41 years. So I've got pretty good at it. <laughs> so after today, with the Churchill method, it's like learning to ride a bike for the first time again. Really, honestly, it's like relearning my shooting process. Mm -hmm. So so it was a, a little bit forward, a little bit back, a little bit forward. And I realize now that I'm going to have to do a lot more actual practice than I normally do to develop this new muscle memory and mental process to overcome 41 years of uh, very good aiming, <laughs> I may add. <laughs> Well, you've you got something else working against you because you're a big game hunter and not just a rifle, but a bow hunter, too. Yeah. So you've got all of these good reasons to aim that you've got to overcome when you put, pick up a scatter gun. Yeah. One thing I didn't mention, I was a recurve traditional archery shooter for 35 years, which is very similar yeah, yeah. to this method because yeah. you're not aiming you're not looking down the shaft, you're actually looking at the point you want to hit. And your muscle memory and subconscious teaches you the arc of the arrow, where to, the sight picture. Yeah. And there's some similarities to that in this. But yeah, once you put sights on a bow or a gun, different ballgame. You're listening to the Upland Nation podcast. I'm Scott Linden, the host. From left to right, or right to left, depending on how your stereo is tuned, is Dave Fiedler and Vandy Fiedler from Mid-Valley Clays and Shooting School. And across the table from me is my friend Tom Jenkins. We're talking shooting for hunters from great shooters who are hunters. Vandy, what's your favorite bird to hunt? It has to be a quail. Quail. I love them. They're here, there, and everywhere. They can be going away and then dive left and go up and go down. And, and they're just a hoot to shoot. They are. And we're, are we talking valley quail in particular? Any type of quail. Yeah. Yeah. Wherever we're at, if you can find quail, I find them the most elusive without having to put in that hiking up that elevation for the chucker. Otherwise, I do love chucker. Well, in that magazine that we were looking at, one of the things I say there is after three days of chucker hunting, the quail is your best friend. <laughs> because they're at the bottom and you don't have to climb anymore. Dave, what about yourself? You've, I mean, I'm looking at the room here. There's two pointers and there's a cocker spaniel. And how are you putting them to work? Um, we haven't got that figured out yet. Usually, what we do is, 
is we let the pointers go and stuff where we got some air, and then we yeah. have the cocker yeah. where it's, there's no air, and you know he's a little a little machine. He is just awesome. So um, I my favorite bird to hunt is sharp tail without a yeah. doubt. Yeah. Um, and then it's going to be Huns, and then Chucker would be my third, just because I'm older and fatter, and it's harder to get there. But sharp tails are by far Saskatchewan. Yeah. I, if I could go every year again, like I used to do for a week. That would be where I'd go, and it's like, don't bother me. I'm in Saskatchewan. I'm the happiest guy in the world. Is it because the hills are a little bit more mild, or is there something else about sharpies? Um, I just like the way they fly. Yeah. And I love the way you know if they haven't been harassed that much, the way they really hold pretty well for pointers, and it's just the picturesque of the of the of the wheat fields and the edges of how the little areas where they don't uh, you know farm, and it's just the, so picturesque when they're on point. You know, it's not like when we hunt in Pendleton a lot, you know, the, the weeds are as high as I am, so the dog's on point and you have to check your GPS to find your dog. You know, that, that's my biggest thing. I, I just love the dog work, you know. I do too, and I think I could speak for everybody at the table. That's why we're yep. hunting, and yep. I think that's why most of our uh, friends are hunting as well. Um, let's, let's go back to, to our lesson for a minute, Mandy, because I'm, I'm, I'm kind of interested in something that you did not do. Um, we, Tom and I both, we shoot, shoot different kinds of guns. Yeah, absolutely. We shoot them in different manners, our gun mounts or gun, where we hold, that sort of thing, my foot position, that, all of that wasn't quite as big a deal as I thought it would be to you. Now you did change a lot of that, but you didn't tell either of us, no, that's wrong. Can you work with anybody and any, any bad habits? I mean, what are, the, what are the hardest, what are the most important habits you need to break? Well, as you bring up the foot position, it's important. That's a fundamental um, stance right there. You and I went over stance. You remember us talking about mm -hmm. that and oh, pushing yeah. your barrels left and right to show yeah. you where you kind of yeah. limit out at? Um, so that can play a big part in your shooting, but for the most part when you're hunting, you're seeing the birds get up and as I mentioned earlier, they're for the most part going out about 45 degrees in front of you, so your stance is not as important when you have a bird that's staying fundamentally in front of you. But yes, it can be more um, an issue in clay target shooting sure. or um, other types of bird hunting. Yeah. But in the end, where the buck stops, it's all about the eyes. You need to let those eyes do the work, and you need to trust that they're going to do the work. Okay, take me to school again. Let's just recap for those who weren't at our lesson today. Talk about how the eyes help you hit a bird. So it's like in any sport. You've heard it before many times. you got to keep your eye on the prize, whether it's baseball, soccer, volleyball. If you don't have your eyes on that prize, then your hands are not going to follow. So it's that little test that I did with um, um, Tom here was just tossing the ball at him when I didn't give him any heads up on that. <laughs> but his eyes went to the ball, his hands grabbed it, he did not falter. When you do the same thing in bird hunting or clay target shooting, then your hands will follow, especially in the Churchill low gun move to that bird. You let those eyes do the work, you trust that your hands can follow, you will. And I think Tom had a few moments out there where he's uh -huh. like, oh my gosh, this really works. It does. Yep. Twice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, let's talk, I, because the, the one that, that I think both of us have to be more careful about when we shoot in general is um, after our eyes have acquired the target and we're following it, the first thing we want to do is get the gun to our shoulder when the, that's the last thing we should really want to do, isn't it? It is. It is a common mistake. Um, yep. We, our adrenaline gets pushed when that bird flushes and we just, ah, oh, we want to get to that shoulder when in actuality we want to get the stock to the cheek, but we've got to get the barrels moving with that bird first and foremost. And, okay, so, so we do that by what, Tom? By watching the bird and swinging yeah. the shotgun into the bird. So it, the move, the, our move is guided by our eyes, am I right? Yes, correct. Okay, so that's right. I passed, at least for today. <laughs> you did very well. Dave, that's easy to say and hard to do. Is there anything that you would tell somebody that we should work on besides that very complex, basic? Well, there is really no advanced shooting techniques. Yeah. It's what Vandy showed you and you know, it depends how good you want to be. Some people are professional baseball players. You know, the guy that has a lot of talent makes it through without much work. But the guy who does a lot of it is the guy who practices the most. He maybe doesn't have the most talent, but he practices a lot to get that good. If you want to become a better shooter in your hunting or clay targets, it takes practice, but it takes intelligent practice. You know, when Vandy was first starting with me, she ended up, um, I don't know how many times we had her lift the gun and practice mounting the gun at home. And that, you know, not only did it build her upper body strength to be able to hold the gun she shoots, but it made her so much smoother. Hopefully she's going to shoot with us tomorrow morning so you'll be able to see how smooth she really is. You don't make the three-time All-American by being a putz. You do that because you put a lot of work into it. She had a lot of drive to get there. She loved the game, and now she loves teaching and getting people involved. So... That answers your question. It does. Well, good. And uh, I'm glad you finished before you dropped your microphone. Uh, uh, but uh, so, if 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 the move is so important, um, how can we mentally convince ourselves that that's what we should do? Is there a mantra? I mean, I was joking, but I said, to me, it's. Mount shoot! And I know that's an exaggeration, but is there anything else you can help us with on that? I would encourage you to do more of the move, mount, shoot. It uh, should be all kind of sequential smooth. and about the yeah. same timing. You're trying to harmonize with that bird. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you, you mentioned one other thing that I, 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 I thought was uh, very helpful to this shooter, and that is... Uh, soft focus. We walk up on a pointing dog. We don't know, we kind of think we know where the birds are, Yeah. but we don't know where they're going to go. And so rather than anticipate, like I've been taught before, anticipate where you think the bird is going to go and look right over there. But that, that kind of spoils it. Describe how, what you told me when I asked you that. You? Well, your dogs are on point, yeah. and it depends on how close they get into that bird. If they get too close, they might put too much pressure on them, that bird's running. But if they're keeping their distance, the birds are holding, when they finally flush, whether you kick them up, your flusher pushes them up, or they just finally just 
flush, you don't know which direction they're going to go. So soft focus out there, just above where your dogs are at, you'll see the movement of the flight as they take rise, and there you go. You can make that move, your eyes will lock on, and your hands will follow. But if they're locked on the wrong place, it <laughs> takes forever to adjust. It does. Yeah. And you get surprised. Oh, well, there's nothing wrong with surprise. Tom and I both said that we're, be we're the best shooters we'll ever be when we don't know what's happening. Yeah, but I think about it. Yeah. I but, can tell you I've missed more birds when I knew where it was yeah. and saw it walking in front of me. I'm like, oh, nuts. I don't yeah. want to know. Or, or big, those, the, the incoming targets uh, we shot first. You can watch. Oh, bang. And it's pretty frustrating because you have all that time to think about it and all and you have all that time to do everything wrong first. You do. The, the thing we hear in the spring play world so often is there are six inches between your ears that tends to get in the way more often than not. <laughs> well, we got a lot more to talk about here on the Up in the Nation podcast, so don't go away. We're going to take more of a shooting lesson from both Dave and Vandy Fiedler. Tom's going to share some of his notes and his study plan for the upcoming shooting training season. It's all coming up, as well as uh, one more uh, fun thing from you, uh, your two cents worth on some of the things we're talking about on social media. First off, yeah, in large part, we're brought to you by MidValleyClays.com. They're a clay shooting emporium and shooting school, as you can understand, but you also have other things going for you. Dave, what else do you guys have on the agenda here besides all the clay target games and great instruction? Well, we happen to sell a couple guns. Yeah. You know, we're, we're a full-line dealer for Browning. We're a full-line dealer for uh, Beretta. We are a full-line dealer for Cesar Carini. And we're a full-line dealer for Rosini. And we're the Northwest dealer for Craigoff and Blauser. And Vandy, what is the one I forgot? Siren. Oh, and yeah. what is Siren? Siren is a line of guns made only for ladies. And how does that differ, by the way? I mean, I, I, talk, I talk to them when they first bring, bring them out, but what is the principal difference there? They have actually paid attention to how women are built differently than men, and therefore we need a different built gun. Yeah. Um, the pitch, the drop, the cast, the length of pull, it all makes a difference. Women have higher cheekbones on average, a little bit longer necks, or shoulders are structured a little bit differently. And all of this can make a huge difference on how well a gun is going to shoot for us and how comfortable it is going to be. It's not just length of pool and barrel length. It's, it is it's, not. It's, it's, it's geometry. It is. Yeah. Good description. Based on anatomy. Two subjects I don't know very well. Absolutely. And they're, and they're pink too, right? <laughs> Definitely not pink. Uh, well, uh, Sorry, I, could, could, I couldn't resist. Pink, yeah. <laughs> Well, if you want to learn more about what they're doing when we're not here visiting with them, go to midvalleyclays.com. And after you visit with Dave and Vandy at midvalleyclays.com, go over to hunthuronsd.com. The Ringneck Festival and Bird Dog Challenge are a hoot. You can watch some of that on my YouTube channel. We made a show there a few years back. Here on South Dakota is the public access capital of South Dakota. 124,000 acres of public access within an hour's drive of downtown. And then downtown, what can I say? I'll see you there for the Fur Feathers Friends event this year. 
If you want more information and a free information packet with maps, discounts, all sorts of information, go to HuntHuronSD.com. And finally, we are brought to you by SageAndBreaker.com. Always free shipping on all of your gun care gear, accessories, cases, you name it, they have it from all the chemicals you need, non-toxic versions as well. It's all at SageAndBreaker.com. Stock up for this season on cleaning products, including CLP. That's my favorite. Spray on, wipe off. Your gun is ready for the next day or the next season. CLP, always free shipping. SageAndBreaker.com. Back to the Upland Nation podcast. Well, we took two lessons, kind of one at a time and then jointly almost. We were kind of riffing on each other's shooting and having a lot of fun. Tom, what do you think you're going to do next? Well, I thought I may be buying a new gun, but now I figured out the problem's not the gun. Yeah. So oh, this, this whole thing <laughs> saved me thousands of dollars today. Yeah. So I want to thank you guys for that because I thought... It can't be me. It's got to be this gun that I'm shooting. Dave is shaking his head now, wondering why Vandy was such a good instructor that he, Tom doesn't need a gun. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I shot the Beretta also that you gave me, and it shot just like the Benelli. So what can I say? So anyway, um, it looks like I'm going to have to actually put more time in the range if I want to... Yeah. Uh, see some improvement this next season coming up so yeah it's like everything else and I joke about it and you you two Dave and Vandy have probably got a million versions of this but you know a pro golfer doesn't just walk onto the first tee and start playing the Masters tournament he goes to the range every day he practices every day on somebody's golf course and gets better at it is that we used to call it hand-eye coordination is there a better term for that now Dave I don't think so. That's really what it is. Yeah. You know, it's uh, like you said, the more time you put into it, the more intelligent time you put in. Yeah. Perfect practice makes perfect shooting. Yeah. Or, you know, whatever game you're playing. And yeah. like I said, when Vandy was going for the All-American team, we shot at least three nights a week, plus every weekend we shot tournaments. And that's how you get better. You don't get better, I mean, watching YouTube videos. <laughs> Shoot, that's where I messed up. <laughs> yes, I'm sorry. <laughs> Yeah, unless you're watching mine. Yes, please, unless please you're watching. Watch those, yeah. Yeah. If you watch Scott, you're going to learn a lot. But you not, know, not about shooting though. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, you mentioned it again, and I think it's important that you know we learn from the best. When I was a musician, I would I would seek if I was in a big city, I'd seek out the tuba player for that symphony orchestra, and I'd take a lesson from him. I would. That's what I did. But uh, we have symphony orchestra players right in front of us. Dave, okay. you're, you're holding your hand up. Do you have a All question? Right. And Vandy's going to jump over this you? big time. Okay. The fact is, just because they're a good shooter does not make them a good instructor. Thank you. I, but but let's, let's cover your bona fides. Vandy, tell us why you're so qualified to do what you do here. Well, I learned from Dave. He's the best. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, so, so it's all Dave's fault. <laughs> Absolutely. But, but you, you, you are uh, a champion. 
you shoot well. What, what else have you done in that world that, that gives you the confidence and the abilities to then translate that to, to schmoes like Tom and I? Well, any good instructor is going to learn from their students, too. Um, I have been teaching for a number of years now. I also coach um, an awesome youth team. And I'll tell you what, those kids keep me on my toes. They teach me a lot because there are no two of them are alike. They each have different requirements, different shooting styles, different ways of perceiving that target. So you learn from your students, and that's what makes a good instructor, in my opinion. So um, of all the things you've learned from your students, what's, what's one that bubbles to the top right off? You. When you're shooting cross-dominant, right yeah. shoulder, left eye dominant, yeah. this is one thing that perplexes me, especially if you can shoot with two eyes open. It just doesn't make sense. But when you can do it, there are the rare people that can do it. And you're apparently one of them. I'm, I'm better than some, worse than most, but I have overcome. This is one of my many, I don't know what to call them, lucky breaks, I guess. Yeah. How about you? Dave, you, um, you set targets for other tournaments, you teach here, you're an avid bird hunter as well. Um, what, what's been the highlight of your shooting career? Oh, I don't know. Or is it yet <laughs> were, to come? Were you, were you prompted by Vandy on that? No, 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 this is a no, no. Well, she's going to tell you that my biggest thing here was I've been on a few All-State teams, but last year I made uh, first team All-American in a veteran 28 gauge. So she's all proud of me for that. So she's going to make me put that on my vest. <laughs> Absolutely. That's probably one of the higher points because I love shooting my 28 gauge. Oh, yeah. So, um, you know, I got lucky last year and, and won a couple events yeah. in Washington and then took second in the Nationals in the 28 gauge. Yeah. So that crams up a lot of All-American points there. So that would be probably my higher, you know, point to any time you can make an All-American team. Um, to me, that's probably pretty cool. Oh, I know. When I was more active in this game, I understand how hard that is to do. So congratulations. Thank you. Um, so, um, Tom, how do you think you're going to apply this when we go out into the field in October? I'll probably get excited and adrenaline will take over and I'll go back to what I used to do, but... <laughs> I'm going to try to start a new uh, system, new process in that. And I'm kind of getting to the point at 61 where it doesn't matter so much if I get a full bag anymore. And I can't keep up with my son Christian anymore anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I can't keep up with his leg span and how fast he travels the Chucker Hills, and he's turned in just to an amazing shot, So, which is awesome. But uh, that, the competitive thing is gone. But for Ruby, the wire hair, I'm all in. Yeah. So she, if I, she wants to hear after I shoot, she turns around and looks at me if she didn't see the bird go down with those big brown eyes and say, say it, say it, dead bird. And if I don't, then I got to make up all these excuses, the gun, this wrong choke, whatever, for her to make her feel better. So I may have to come up with some new excuses this year since I've had some lessons. I'm not telling her that I had lessons. Because <laughs> I don't want her expectations to be too high this coming season. Yeah. But that's the main reason is I don't want to disappoint the dog. Yeah, I, I remember the first uh, really serious lesson I took. Uh, I had to fill out a form 
before I could even shoot. And, uh, and at the bottom, the last question was, why do you want to become a better shooter? And I said, so I don't piss off the dog. <laughs> well, I'm, if, if, when we're together, with every third step, we should say, move, now, shoot. <laughs> yes. Hit the mantra down if we can. So, yeah, it's going on my whiteboard when I get home. There you go. Hey, the Upland Nation podcast is brought to you in part by RoughlandKennels.com. If you got a dog, you probably ought to take a look at their kennels. You know, more dogs ride in a Roughland kennel than any other performance kennel. Maybe these dogs here, too. What have you got in the building right now, Vandy? Who is that over there? The dogs? Or is yeah. Yeah. Dogs. To. Nope. We've got Sage on the couch. We've got Potter at my feet. And Bailey is asleep in her kennel. And, and that's the way we want Bailey to be, isn't it? Yeah, she's hey. a little bit too young to be on her own just yet, so. Well, you know, a lot of people feel strongly about bringing a bird dog to a gun club. Have you ever had a discussion about that? You see the little signs out that says they have to be on, on leash and yeah. under control? Yeah. Um, and we put those up because people did kind of take advantage of the fact that we let the dogs out here. You know, so if you have to control your dog, and people come with their dogs and say, oh, I've got a new dog, I want to take it out there and let them shoot at it, or not shoot at it, you know, I have, <laughs> wrong no, word. I'd stand up for <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, walk it behind when they're shooting. I said, no, don't do that. Take them over on the far end, have them, you know, give them some snacks, play retrieving with it, and while they're shooting, just slowly walk them a little closer, but let them play with it all the time so they're not shocked by it. Our dogs sit out there and lay on, on the, the, the grass and stuff while they're shooting, you know, 20 yards away, and it doesn't bother them at all. They're like, they don't even look up. Yeah. Not a big deal. But when we're hunting, different story. They shoot, and it's like, hey, where's it at? Dave shot it. I know he hit it. Well, you, you know, that's, that's the interesting part. Exactly right. I think they can differentiate, and I've seen that in other dogs as well. And then there's my dog, who all I got to do is lace up a pair of boots, and he thinks he's going hunting. They know. Yeah. Well, um, what are some of the things that you do in the field that, uh, whether it's you know, shooting advice or anything else. When you're out there, Vandy, chasing your, your quail, your passion, what are some of the things that you do that maybe we haven't thought about doing? Whether it's strategy, tactics, techniques. Are you carrying your gun differently? Do you hold your mouth a different way? What, what, what can you do that can te you can tell us that would help us? She's got a puzzled look on her face. I know that's a trick question. This is not Jeopardy. There's no wrong answer or question uh, I, if you're I, playing Jeopardy. That's, that's a good question. Um, I'm, I'm like so many hunters. I go for the joy of watching the dogs work the yeah. field. Um, so I'm paying attention, too, because I, I hunt over a flusher, an English cocker, and um, they're an athletic breed that keep showing your toes and see, sometimes even with some giggles going too. Yeah. Um, but I'm watching to see if he gets birdie. If he does, then as Dave likes to say, hurry Vandy, get up there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but once I see the bird take flight, the first thing I probably do is remind myself, get the adrenaline down, get the adrenaline down. Because yeah. um, that's their defense. Yeah. When, when they take flight, it just causes our adrenaline to go through the roof and this is why so many people 
just uh, react with a shoulder of the gun instead of a cheeking of the gun, yeah. Yeah. not moving with it. So they're going in opposition. You know, um, one of the many careers I've had, I can't hold a job, um, but one of, the, one of the careers I've had was I, I used to teach people how to be interviewed on TV. And the only way to get better at it is to do it over and over and over again. And you three are all doing great. This is not TV, obviously. Uh, or Tom would have been thrown out long ago. Oh, yeah. Because he has a face for radio. Let's wait for that. But, but the whole idea of, um, of doing it a lot and, and, and learning to dial things down. Uh, I, I guess that's maybe one of the things we all wish we could do more, is, is chase more birds and have more opportunities to do that. Yeah. Um, Dave, what about you? If you're out there hunting and you're hunting with me, what's the thing that you would tell me to do that I probably am not doing now to become a better hunter? I think the first thing, without really watching you shoot, and we'll fix that tomorrow. Yeah. We'll um, try and fix it. Well, I'm I don't not, think I did. I, I'm going to work on what Vandy showed you, okay? Um, the biggest thing would be slow your mount down. Pick your target, slow your mount down, and look at the bird. That's the biggest thing. Yeah. I mean, they'll, they'll come down. It's like driving a car. Wherever you look is where you drive. Wherever you look is where you're going to shoot. Mm -hmm. You just got to trust yourself that that's what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. And besides that, you want to make sure you do that before I do. <laughs> Bandy likes to say I'm a little competitive. I, I don't think I shared with you that when Tom and I first chatted out there on the lesson today, he... Um, was happy to load three shells and shared with me that ah, there are a lot of times it takes that third shot to bring that bird down. And said, We're going to change that, Tom. Yeah. You've got three shells to bring down three birds, <laughs> not three <laughs> shots to bring down one. Yeah. Oh, my math's all been wrong all this time. <laughs> uh, what about, let's, because you're, you hunt with a flusher, Vandy. One of the things that always bother, you know, I don't know how to act when I'm walking behind my friend's Labrador, for example. Uh, I want to be ready all the time, but, the, but if you're always ready, you get cramps in your arms and that sort of thing. At what, what position is your gun in when you're just walking along behind your, when, behind your cocker spaniel? Well, I was military. Okay. Um, so in the Army, when you're marching or walking with your rifle, here at Port Arms, so yeah. that's the best description I can give. Yeah. My barrels are always towards the sky when I'm walking around following my flusher. Mm -hmm. um, but as soon as that tail starts just going like yeah. crazy, yeah. I know he's smelled something, he's on it, so now I bring my barrels to just above the horizon so that I don't sweep my dogs or anybody else. I'm waiting to see when that bird pops. Nice. Um, I'll hopefully have that opportunity again real soon. We'll see. And Tom, you, you, sh you, you're hunting with a, your first pointing breed. Yep. How have you changed your approach to shooting and hunting, going from flushing breeds to a pointer? Well, I've had four labs before this yeah. wire hair, and I was primarily a duck hunter and a pheasant hunter, and a dove hunter, which I'm not sure what the dog ever did for dove hunting, but. Uh, um, but since I've gone to, you know, chucker and, and quail, just letting that dog do what they're born to do is so much more fun than trying to, because the lab, you had to, I had to learn to control the lab uh. to keep the range in.
where with the pointer and the GPS collar, thank God for <laughs> GPS collars. But as uh, long as you have them set up right. So yeah. I, I did have a day where somehow the collar got set to, I think it was like 30 second updates from three seconds. <laughs> and I'm walking that way and the dog's not there. And then all of a sudden the dog's behind me and I turn around and the dog's over and I'm like, I reboot that thing just, and finally she flushed them 500 yards out because she got tired of me waiting, screwing around in circles down there. But that's been the most fun is just watching that pointer do what's in their DNA. And I didn't have any training yeah. in that at all. I would only add, uh, calibrate the compass in your GPS every couple of days. Yeah, that's good too. Do you use a GPS collar, Dave? I have, English pointers? I have English pointers. What do you think? Um, yeah. I'd use a helicopter. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? There's nothing as awesome as when that pointer is flying along at, you know, when I take her for a run, she lopes at 20 miles an hour and she's like, hey, where you been? Yeah. So when that dog is cruising along and just locks solid, oh. it's like the most coolest thing in the world. That's why I became a hunter. I agree with you. I watched my first wire here point what turned out to be a hen pheasant in the middle of alfalfa country in Bend, Oregon. And when he pointed that bird and that bird flew, I went out and bought a shotgun the next day. <laughs> and I'm still trying to figure out how to use it. <laughs> uh, I think you did quite well. Oh, I, I got lucky. I did, didn't I? I hit the first three in a row, didn't I? It's not luck. It's skill. <laughs> yeah. It's just refining it. It was downhill after that, but that's all right. Um, hey, uh, this is the Upland Nation podcast. I'm Scott Linden, the host. On my right is Vandy Fiedler. Across the desk from me is Tom Jenkins. And on my left is Dave Fiedler. We're at the Mid Valley clays and shooting school in Jervis, Oregon. Just go to Salem and then use your Google map from there. But come on out. By the way, I didn't mention, we're staying the night. There's an RV park. There's a great pro shop. There's every game you can think of uh, from skeet to trap to sporting clays to five stand. And once in a while, do you do anything else? Do you ever throw out some FETAS targets or anything? We do that. We have a FETAS shoot coming up in a few weeks in August called the FETAS Bonanza. We have small gauge FETAS, which is a real kick. Oh, we yeah. have 28 gauge, 410, and 20 gauge. Yeah. And then we have three parkours, three parkours, I'm going to call it that, yeah. three layouts of uh, 12 gauge FETAS each day. Why don't you explain the difference between that game and, and the other games we're a little bit more familiar with? Well, the fee task is the international sporting clays. I should let Vandy do this. Mm -hmm. You've got it. You're doing she's, well. she's doing. You may. I'm going to let Vandy do that. <laughs> well, you can both do it for all I care. No, nope. that way. So, if fee task were, or if, if sporting clays were to be shot in the Olympics, it would be fee task because that is the international version of sporting clays. Um, three different. They call them parkours instead of fields. Each field has three pegs that we shoot from, or three stations, whatever you want to call them. Mm -hmm. And um, from each peg you have some um, distance that changes the target's trajectory from your position. So, and of course it's all shot with a low gun. And a, a relatively low gun. I mean, there is a line, there used to be a line on the shirt, didn't there? You think you might be thinking of international skiing, yeah, yeah, which is the Olympic right. game. You're exactly right. That yeah. is down on your hip. For yeah. task, it is on the chest. Okay. So right here. 
There you go. Dave showed me a line on his shirt. It's a task shirt. And, and you've got to keep your gun below a certain point until the target flies. Is that until, what it is? Until you can physically see the target, Literally. then you can start yeah. moving. And so if I understand it, it's the same throwers, but we move. Correct. The machines stay in position. You're just moving to a different position to shoot the same targets. Unless Now, there are three different versions sure. of the task. Old style is what we're describing, and yeah. that's what commonly is shot at most places. But there is also modified and new style. Okay. And I won't even go into what F-I-T-A-S-C is an acronym for, because I think it's French, isn't it? And uh, nobody cares anyway. So, <laughs> so come on out and shoot one of the FETASC uh, tournaments or anything else out here at Mid Valley Clays. MidValleyClays.com. Um, while we're on the subject of that kind of thing, thank you for your support. Pointer shotguns as well, from uh, semi-automatics to youth guns and everything in between. You can find them all at LegacySports.com slash Pointer. A lot of folks, well, Tom was shooting a uh, semi-auto today and doing pretty well at it. They've got some gas-operated semi-autos at the LegacySports.com website. Some of them are Cerakoted, if that's what you like. You can get a traditional walnut stock or a black synthetic stock in 12 or 20 gauge. Take a look at all of those at LegacySports.com slash Pointer. Yeah, it's a work of art at a price that's a thing of beauty. And let me remind you one more time about the event that I wish I could go to, but I could sure help support them a little bit, and that is the Burt County Bird Bounty. That's my friends at Pheasant Bonanza in Tacoma, Oklahoma. They're putting on a, an event that's a fundraiser for their new charity, Camo. Yeah, Canine Adoption and Mentoring Outdoors. They're taking... Um, well, retired bird dogs and finding forever homes for them. So if you want to learn more about that event, go to K-A-M-O-I-N-C dot org. K-A-M-O-I-N-C dot org. I promised you one little fun thing, uh, and uh, we'll just share a few of the thoughts on the, some of the social media chatter that's going on on all of my Facebook pages, and uh, what's that other thing called, Twitter, and um, what's the third one? Come on. TikTok. To, no, I didn't. You know. <laughs> <laughs> some of us are maybe. too old for that oh, one. Oh, no. Uh, you know. Um, Instagram. Instagram. Yeah. Yeah, you know that one. I guess we're all getting old. You know, we are. You know, that newfangled device called the telephone that you can put in your pocket. Anyway, so I I asked on the Facebook pages and it went everywhere else too. Don't don't leave home without what? When you're going hunting, Tom, what do you not want to leave home without? I, I'm sorry to say, but it would be my phone with uh my mapping system on it. Mapping system, yeah, good point. That has all my Sasquatches on it. I know it does, which we'll talk more about in about a month and a half, by okay. the way. Dave, what would you not leave home without? If I'm going bird hunting, yeah. it's obviously going to be water for the dogs. Yeah, good. All right. Mandy? 
It'd have to be Dave, because he says if I ever leave him, he's just going to follow me. <laughs> well, it's not like you need him to carry out an elk quarter or something, so you, you couldn't leave him at home. You found somebody better. Okay, so, so, um, so Craig Lutz says he showed up to hunt with some friends, grabbed the wrong shells for the gun that he brought. Haven't we all done that once or a hundred times? Oh, yeah. Uh, John Pivetta says... Uh, the job ain't over till the paperwork's done. Don't forget the toilet paper. Oh, Dan, Dan Manasiak says at least one backup gun. And don't ask how I know this, but when you bring your backup gun, make sure it's the same gauge as the other one. Or bring twice as much ammunition. Um, first aid gear, Ken Corbett, my good friend, uh, uh, Representative Ken Corbett in Kansas, he says... Of course he would. He's a state representative. Don't forget your hunting license. <laughs> and Frank Luke, he's got the he's got the perfect thing to never leave home without. The right attitude. Yep, as Ray Wiley Hubbard says, the days where my gratitude exceeds my expectations, those are pretty good days. Yep. And on that I'll say thank you all. Vandy Fiedler, Tom Jenkins, Dave Fiedler at MidValleyClays.com for being a part of the Upland Nation podcast. All of you listeners out there sure would appreciate a rating or a review. And to our sponsors, couldn't go out there and do this without the support of MidValleyClays.com, Roughland Performance Kettles, Sage and Breaker Gunter Products, Pointer Shotguns, Midvalley Clays again, thank you, it's in that order twice. Ringneck Nation of Huron, South Dakota. Thank you so much for being a part of the Upland Nation podcast, everybody. And Carlos, thanks for being a great crowd out there in the background. Appreciate that. Thank you all. Until I see you again in the field, hopefully I'll see you on the range. I'm Scott Linden. Thanks for listening.